Folks, let's serenade the Lord with a few songs. I'm going to pick golden oldies that you know. So let's momentarily stand together if you can here. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. See you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we sing, holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, O Lord, I exalt Thee, O Lord, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee. I exalt Thee, O Lord. I could sing of Your love forever. 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 I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, O Lord, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee, I exalt Thee. Exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify and glorify Christ Jesus the King. Majesty, worship His majesty. Jesus who died now glorified King of all kings. Jesus who died, now glorified King of all kings. We celebrate who you are. We exalt you with one voice. In your holiness, in your presence we rejoice. 
Oh, you may be seated, please. Tonight, as we flow along in word and song, I sense that some of the prophetic words are going to be sung. You know, the sons of Asaph, they prophesied on harps. That's when prophetic lyric rides on the spontaneity of melody. In fact, God himself is the supreme singer. It's written and seen in Zephaniah 3.17. He will rest in his love, or he will quiet you with his love. He will joy over thee with singing. That is, he will spring about with loud, exultant, musical shouts. As he sees us being released into who we are truly divinely designed to be. As the weave of our soul begins to reflect the character and likeness of his son. And in Hebrews 2, Jesus himself stands in the midst singing. God the Son serenading God the Father. And there's times, and we heard it this morning, there's a certain richness, a resonance, a height and a depth. It's not just human voices. It's housed there, but he inhabits the praises of his people, according to Psalm 22 and 1. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and as you learn of me in your soul, you will be refreshed. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I am kind and gentle. Yet with healing might Come to me You who are weary And heavy laden I will give you rest From Luke 4.18 The Spirit of the Lord Is upon me and you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are bruised And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord of Jubilee Preach the acceptable year of the Lord It's written in Revelation 19 and 10 that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And there's a principle in the weave of that scripture. And you've probably had it happen to you. When you've heard somebody else's testimony, the attestation of the good and great and kind and tender things that the Lord has done in their life, 
or in the lives of their family, the Lord shafts like a lightning bolt a dynamic ditto and says, you can take that as a prophetic word for yourself. doesn't always happen, but it frequently happens. And more often than not, we say, you know, I'm blessed because I love that individual. I celebrate the Christ in common that we have together. And there may not be any dynamic, as in this current, that shoots from their heart into yours. Let me give you an illustration of just a personal testimony. I was getting myself ready on a particular morning, you know, doing my number in front of the uh, mirror, shaving mirror, and scraping my jowls and brushing my teeth and getting my version of presentable. And I had the TV going on behind me, and there was one of the TV ministries on, and I don't remember which one it was, but I could hear it quite clearly. In fact, I turned the water off at that point. There was a testimony to the fact that people had been, in Jesus' name, speaking to their high blood pressure and commanding it to go down. And lo and behold, it had. It was a testimony. The normalization of blood pressure. And I heard that. And it was like just a shaft of light leaped from that TV screen and hit a nerve of need in my very heart. And I took that word to heart and said, I'm going to do that. It was like it was a prophetic transfer through their testimony to my heart. I've been, I've registered high blood pressure all my adult life. And there's times when it's been quite high. And it's usually been uh, eh, higher, than it, higher than it should be. It's been, it's been really pretty much the rule and, and rarely the exception. But I began speaking to my blood pressure. It was about, oh, three or four months ago. And my daughter-in-law brought an apparatus, you know, a home apparatus into my study. She said, Dad, we're not using this, so you might want to monitor that. And I began to monitor my blood pressure as I'm saying, Jesus, you provided through your cross through the, for the normalization of my blood pressure, and I'm commanding this blood pressure to go down in the name of Jesus. It began to progressively go down, 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 down to where it commonly registers around uh, 120 over 80 for the first time in my adult life. A situation of a testimony where there was a prophetic transfer, a, a, a shaft of light that was encased in that testimony that lighted in my very heart. And the Lord said, this testimony is a prophetic statement to you. Take it, wrap your heart around it, and begin to apply it. Praise the name of the Lord. The spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. Here's a word for you, Mitch. The Lord was there, his father heart to share as he lifted Mitch from the ditch. Set you on the king's highway once again. With that patented million-dollar grin, that's a gift from him. And now even it's his, his intention, as you do the work of an evangelist, it's going to be more and more in a prophetic dimension, Minch. You're going to sense a nudge in your spirit, the voice of the Lord as you hear it giving you insight into somebody that is leading you to talk to. 
and even more poignantly. The light of the Lord is going to beam from you, and folks will be open like never before. You'll catch the upward wind of his wings, and with the eagles you'll soar, and often you'll have the aerial view, and then he'll have your light to share a word or two with someone down below. But a prophetic dimension added to the evangelistic anointing that you already enjoy and faithfully employ, and the Lord commends you in that regard. What's your name right here? Derek? It's my oldest son's name, Derek. How do you spell it? Okay, it's a little different in the spelling. Lord has brought you a long way and is going to bring you yet a longer way in an accelerated growth spurt spiritually. You've been through a lot in your time. And there were times in the early years when authority figures would have written you off. They couldn't look and see the wealth of God that was in you. And you had to rebel to survive. But the Lord was there camping around you, preserving you. And the things that were attempting to destroy and to be unnerving you. He was there, his father heart to share, his patriarchal hand around your shoulder, saying, Derek, you're going to come through it. I got plans for you. A gentleness mixed with boldness will be your portion. And sitting next to Derek is April. An intuitive intercessor. Someone that knows how to pray under Holy Ghost direction. The Lord will give you direction to pray and you'll catch the upward glide and you'll begin to ride and you'll begin to see it with the eyes of vision already happening. But something else wonderful will happen. You'll notice on the King's Highway, April, there's an adjacent lane to the prayer of intercession and it's the prophetic. And there'll be times when you often make lane changes between the prayerful and the prophetic. Sitting next to April is Zach. You're kind of the holler guy on the team. You play both sides of the ball. I saw you as a linebacker on defense with an ability to diagnose the plays as you saw them taking shape and an ability to nail the runner of the opposition and sometime drop back for pass defense. But I also saw you as a ball carrier and inside runner on offense and not afraid of contact. And you're not a guy who's afraid for the contact sport of spiritual warfare. God be thanked, you clank along like a tank. And more and more, the Lord is going to use you. And yet along with his strength and forward mobility, there's a certain nobility and tenderness about you, Zach, that's got a teddy bear heart that beats within. 
and a heart to see victory with fallen, hurting men, an ability to exhort them in the locker room and to see them go out on the field and to say, greater is he that is in you over this world's raw deal. Several years ago, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, a four-square pastor in Weezer, Idaho, Pastor Ron Osborne, longtime friend. And he said, Dick, you know, we were having a meeting, and just out of nowhere, seemingly nowhere, because I wasn't talking about healing on that night and certainly wasn't talking about dental work, courtesy of the Holy Spirit. He says, but people began to get fillings and to begin to get bridge work done And it took me back to another testimonial. There was a gentleman uh, back in the 80s here in the Salt Lake area with Dr. George who would often give testimony of people that had had dental work courtesy of the Holy Spirit. And he would begin to give these testimonies and all over the room people would feel just warmth and substance forming in their mouth. There was testimony that was transferred into prophetic impact in hearts that receiving and believing and wrapping their hearts around it. Praise the name of the Lord. Testimony. The Lord is doing a work in bringing a parade of prodigals back to the fold. Tell you a story. When we first moved to Boise from uh, down in California, we had taken a sabbatical of a couple of years from full-time ministry back in um, 1988 through 1990. And we were headed up to Boise. It was going to be our central point of location. And our kids had done pretty well, really, with the thrills and spills of being in pastor's situations. And um, But my older boy, who had been very compliant, it was like the enemy who loves to hamstring people when they're tired, had just nailed him. And there probably could have been some ways we should have been more sensitive in our rearview mirror. There were some things I needed to repent of, to tell you the truth there. But it was like he just blew up in a fit of rebellion and headed into downtown Boise and got in the drug culture there. And we were estranged from him where we didn't see him for a period of even a few years. And I can remember when that happened, I went out on my back patio and laid in a chase lounge and I said, Father, I am a failed dad. He said, God said, no, you're not. You're a flawed dad. And all dads are flawed. He said, I'm going to turn some things around. I'm going to reverse some of your choices in the matter, but you've planted some good things in him and know that you have. And I'm going to give you prayer directives, projectiles to hurl at the gates of hell. It's going to be as a stream that will follow him into downtown Boise. It's going to be cause for rejoicing before my face as I begin to give you promises of a restored soul and the salvation of your household. And we begin to pray. And sometime we'd cry ourselves to sleep, but we would wake up the next morning refreshed and ready to roll again. And it was probably, oh, two years into this battle, I was down in Southern California on a ministry tour. And I was there in Ventura, which is a seaside or an oceanside community, I was taking a walk out on the pier, and I was watching the fishermen along the way with their poles extended over the railing. And I had a vision. It was an open vision. 
In other words, I could see it with my eyes open, but it was like this picture of Jesus who had his fishing pole extended over the railing of the pier. And I looked and I said, is that you, Jesus? And he turned around and he flashed that patented Jewish Prince of Peace smile. And he says, it is. And he's cranking the reel. He says, keep praying. I'm reeling them in. I thought, wow. Boy, that tell you what, that was wind in my sails. Donna wasn't with me at that time. I was, she was back uh, in Idaho. And I prayed and shared the testimony. And it was just faith fuel for us. And we continued to pray. And a couple of years after that, he called and said, Dad, you know, I've lost my job. I don't even have bus fare to get home. Could I come home at least for a few days and get my head screwed on and then go out again? I said, sure. I picked him up. He was very sullen, didn't have a word to say on the way home. But it was like we could sense contractions in our heart that were getting closer and closer and closer together, birthing something special in way of the liberation and restoration of our son. It was a sense of countdown. And it was that morning, it was one of those rare occasions that I was ministering uh, in Boise, in my hometown. And I had, the message had just come together. I'd finished my Java jolt, and I was sitting up in bed. And I look, and there's my son leaning in the doorway. And big tears are streaming down his face. And I got a flashback of back when he was a little tousle-haired moppet, back when he was two years old, who would, like his licks like pistons running down the hall and would lean in the door jam and flash that smile and come diving in bed like a little missile and burrow giggling snuggling for love hugs between us he had sparked a minor baby boom at our church home church a lot of couples they got busy when they saw Derek and boy we begin to populate from the inside as well as the outside as people were coming to the Lord so here he is now, able to grow a better beard than his father, about 185 pounds of pretty solid manhood, and suddenly he dives across the room, lands in bed. It felt like a 7.2 on the Richter scale, and we've been in a couple of those quakes down in California like that, know what they feel like. He was sobbing incontrollably, but when he caught his breath, he would say, Mom, Dad, thanks for praying for me. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for loving me. He said, I know God's the answer. I know I got issues, but it's going to get turned around. And we saw amazing progress over the next two years. And the next thing you know, I was at a Riverside wedding, and there was Derek and his bride, Jenny, standing in front of me. And they've been married now for quite a number of years, just living on love. They've got a marvelous marriage, a marvelous marriage. But her testimony was similar to his. She'd taken the unscenic route around the other side of the mountain, and the Lord had orchestrated their meeting on the other side. Praise the name of the Lord. As I say that, folks, know that there are prayers, heartache prayers, wrenching intercessions of parents and grandparents that are being heard, and God is softening the hearts of your young loved ones, and there is this gentle drawing of the warmth of his wind that is beginning to draw them homeward. He's going to begin to give you prayer directives as you go and be encouraged in that regard as there's a prophetic transmission even going on right here. And I just sense that and I feel what you're, what you're feeling. So if it's just something, hey, that sounds good, praise the Lord for that, 
But if there is something being triggered in a personal way that you are opening up your heart and just encasing that like a rose opening up to greet the sunlight and saying, me too, I'm taking that as a word to fuel my prayer life. Just take it and receive it. Trust that lightens your load. Travel in light. I've rolled my burdens just like boulders Upon the one who cares for me His mighty shoulders make them feathers As we run together, travel in light Free to run this race with Jesus The world's cold wind upon my face can't match His grace His mighty breath my soul resuscitates The devil's roadblocks that I'm seeing down the pike. No match for the master, no fear. Sometimes he hits him like a Mack truck on the loose. Sometimes we just glide over like a pair of leaping deer. Traveling light. Don't know how long will be my journey. He's always on both day and night, my inner light. Leaning on his might and traveling light. Leaning on his might and traveling light. Here's a word for you, Jack. It's a resuscitating second wind. Sometime this marathon has just been one that's made your knees buckle. There's been times when you've run into ruts on the other side, but the Lord was there. He could see just that quality of heart in you that wanted the will of God in your life. And you've never quit in that regard, even when things got almost insufferably hard. And the Lord commends you as a no-quit kind of guy. And he begins to open up your inner eye to just the Father heart that is towards you. And the Prince of Peace resuscitates you with a second wind of new beginnings in these days. Even now, a whole new sense of his presence that is lighting up your days. Be encouraged. He'll cause you to flourish yet as closer and closer to him you get. My brother here in the blue polo shirt, help me remember your name. What again? Kelly. Ah, yes. an exhorter, a stoke of the inner fire. And there's times when you know, Kelly, when to use the rod to stoke the inner fire. But there's sometimes that guys are just reduced to ashes and you become a billows of the breath of God that begins to cause the embers to form again. And you can see that they're destined to win in and through him. You've got a heart for guys in the arena Though they may falter and fall and others might write them off, you sense the inner call. As a restoration carpenter with truth tools that sees life put back together. Sitting next to Kelly is Sherry. A marvelous gift of mercy, Sherry. An ability to just intuitively know when there's a limp and a gimp in somebody's heart and soul. They may look like a sophisticated adult having it together, but you can sense the limp and the heart cry of the hurting little boy or 
hurting girl inside and able to speak to them. And they'll begin to sense the dove of the Spirit's love light on their shoulder and speak to them in softness that causes them to become healed and ever bolder. At times, your counseling ability will be joined by a prophetic sense. And you'll get a word of knowledge that'll be penetrating without being intimidating. Another one of the tools in your spiritual first aid kit. An anointed nurse on the battlefield. Scattered roses in the rain, long lost joys from seasons past, you've gathered them again for a bouquet that will last. The fragrance of your love breathes new life into my soul, made a living sweet bouquet from roses left out in the cold. wreckage I surveyed was my life after the storm scattered rubble in the night twisted battered without form those I once called friends left my silent soul for dead there was nothing they could do only words of sorrow said But scattered roses in the rain, long lost joys from seasons past, you've gathered them again for a bouquet that will last. The fragrance of your love breathes new life into my soul, made a living sweet bouquet from roses left out in the cold. Made a living sweet bouquet from roses left out in the cold. Right here, what is your names, the two of you? You said Mark and Julie? Hallelujah. A healing voice to one another. The love of romance fills your heart, and yet in the spirit, sister and brother. Is Jesus who said, I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. You get closer and closer to him at the apex of the triangle and get closer and closer to one another. Julie, where you've been stomped on by men, and you have authority figures from since you were just practically little above knee high, there has been just authoritarian abuse. But the Lord was there for just the right moment when you cried out to him and he heard your cry in the night and gave your frightened eyes the sight to see him standing there. And he began to drive fear far from you. It's been an ongoing liberation and deliverance. And Mark, you're a study in authenticity. You are a real deal, gut level, meat and potatoes, genuine kind of guy with a real love for Jesus And you know what grace in the hard places looks like. 
it is it is like a cold drink of water in the desert. The Lord has been there for you. In situations in your rearview mirror where you could have very well died, but the Lord was there with divine rescue and a heading off of the path of the enemy's devices, he has really wanted to take you out. But he has failed miserably due to prayer that has gone up for you and the heart cry of your own heart. There's something very rich and real going on with the Lord as he's working in you and through you, for you, and to where there is this pollination in the spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. My King and my God, for unto Thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Unto thee and will look up. Lady with the beautiful silver hair here. What is your first name? Eva. A living epistle of God's faithfulness. It's like your heart is soft parchment that takes in the indelible ink of the Holy Spirit that says God is faithful. He was there in the valley of tragedy. He was there with an arm around you, and yet you are one who is quick to comfort with the comfort wherewith you have been comforted. Sometimes you don't even have to speak a word, although there's a lot you can say of God's faithfulness. In fact, there is just a, it's almost like a conduit and a flow and a dynamic ditto of the lady sitting next to you of a similar word. What is your first name? What is it? Priscilla, here's a song for you. The Lord's with you there in the valley, causing Priscilla to rally. He's risen above with love, and there's healing in his wings. And he's touching your heart and soul and your lower back. It's to you now I sing, Priscilla. Priscilla, he's restoring your song in the night. Morning is invading the night, turning things around. Invading would-be lonely hours, 
with his comfort soothing power turning the corner no longer a mourner but expecting good seasons yet to come the radiant hope from the son of glory the holy one You know, folks, I'm convinced that before the Lord's appearing, He wants to maestro global awakening. And it's already started in many, many points of the globe. There's tremendous reports of signs and wonders. There's powerful underground churches in both Iran. And there's one in China that's digging catacombs in that system. That whole system could implode. Even in North Korea, tremendous movement in the spirit. Signs and wonders accompanying gospel thunder with creative miracles. The testimonials that I'm hearing from missionaries at large. If the Lord hasn't forgotten the U.S. of A., we're still probably a little... Too cerebral at the expense of our heart here, but he's doing something about that. The shaking and quaking that feet are beginning to feel and the unsteadiness and the lack of readiness. The Lord beginning to send signals to rally to the rock from which the water flows. I believe he is dispatching his agents of light, his ambassadors into all strata of our culture. Professional sports. They don't often show it on TV, but after every NFL game, there's guys from both teams that gather in the middle of the field for community prayer. We're seeing him invade education, not just the public system, but just alternative ways of school. We've seen our grandson the beneficiary of some of those things. He wants to invade the political realm and is doing that, beginning to raise up men and women of integrity with statesmen, servant hearts, and beginning to do what only he can do, accompanied by the wave of the Spirit and an angelic cleanup crew, and Lord knows we need it. He's restoring the arts to the church. We're going to see some marvelous things in drama. We're seeing some fantastic products in cinematography. Some of the early Christian attempts at film were pretty cheesy. But you know, despise not small beginnings. There's some good things that are starting to come forth. And I appreciate people like Kirk Cameron and others that are voices for the Lord in that entertainment community. To begin to see visitation of global proportion. Toward the end of his career, this became the signature song of Mr. John Raymond Cash. The lyrics of the song were actually written by a 
journalist friend of his named Christopher Wren, who wrote the song many years ago, and Johnny added the tune. But it became his signature song and testimony before he checked out of this world. He'd been through a lot of highs and lows, but it began to see with a prophetic eye the move of the Lord in our nation. And he took the lyrics of Christopher Wren and added melody. And this song was the product of it. Jesus was a carpenter who worked with a saw and a hammer. You know his hands could form a table true enough to stand forever. Could have lived his life out in the little town of Nazareth. But he laid aside his tools and he walked the burning highways built a house with folks like you and me, living stones. He built a house like you and me. And he found them as they wandered in the wild Chittian mountains. Yes, he called them as they cast their nets on the Sea of Galilee. For a thousand evenings as the days behind him ended, he walked among the poor and he stopped to touch the dying as he built a house with folks like you and me. Now would it be the same upon the sands of California? Or on the sweating blacktop of New York or Mississippi, where the mighty churches rise up high above the screaming cities? Would he be a guest on Sunday and a vagrant on a Monday? Would men lock their doors against his kind today? So move again, Lord Jesus, move as a carpenter among us. Men build chapels to their discontent, cathedrals to their sorrow. Many live in golden mansions with the sand for a foundation. And the raging waters rising, God, the raging waters rising. Yet you build your house on rock once more today and the gates of hell will not prevail against it again today years ago it was back in the mid 70s I was keeping body and soul together by doing landscape labor and getting meetings wherever I could get them eventually I graduated to sales and design but I'll tell you I knew what a day of hard work was like out there and I'd gotten a call from a pastor <coughs> pastor of a uh, Latino church primarily down in Rancho Cucamonga, California, there in the Inland Empire. Pastor Ray Gonzalez. Ray had known of me, referral through a friend. And he said, Brother Dick, could you come and minister to us on a Wednesday evening? And I was dog tired. 
And I got in the car and battled two hours of traffic from Thousand Oaks, California, down to Rancho Cucamonga. And I showed up there, and it was kind of this broken-down Hispanic session of Rancho there and a hand-painted sign that said the Rock Outreach. And I went in, and there were just seven people. I'd gotten there a little bit, bit late, and my heart kind of sank. But I plopped down, and they began to praise God. They began to intercede. They began to come against the powers of the enemy. They began to take authority over everything from spousal abuse to drug trafficking to grand theft auto and you name it, and begin to pray for law enforcement and others. And the next thing you know, I had just caught the upward currents with them. I remember when it was my turn to preach and teach. Uh, I don't even remember what I said, but I was so ignited and delighted just to be there. And their offering for some a group that small was just off the charts generous. And when Ray called me the following year, I said, sure. Well, I showed up, and now there were 100 people, and we were getting uh, a sound adjustment. And he said, Brother Dick, you see that group of guys there? They were gangsters, and the guy in the coat and tie sitting next to them was a sergeant of police that used to chase them. They got saved, and their testimony got him saved. And he says, my friend Manuel Torres and I, who are the pastor and associate here, we're postal workers. We work at the post office, and we've seen any number of our fellow employees as the Holy Ghost has just cut loose at our post office here. And he began to point out this and that and the other. I, the following year, we looked up and down the street when we were having punch and cookies after the meeting, and that whole neighborhood had gotten a facelift of just the landscaping and the pride of ownership and houses being painted. And gradually, they began to annex the entirety of several square miles of Hispanic neighborhood into the kingdom of God, taking territory in Jesus' name over a period of time. I saw that, and there was a prophetic impartation that came to me that the Lord said he wanted to multiply this. I shared the very same testimony with my good friend Ernie Cotta down in Visalia, California. And Ernie took these things to heart, and one night someone had a prophetic word that said in part that the Lord would have them canvas the neighborhood. Now, about that time, adrenaline usurped the anointing, and so they got into gear without hearing the rest of what the Lord had to say. There were a lot of slammed doors and a lot of dejected sense of defeat, but the Lord said, you didn't hear what else I had to say. He said, you're to break into groups of four, and you're to sing worship songs just like carolers, except at whatever time of the year, and you're to go up and down the street, and people will come to their porches, and they will invite you and invite you in. And so they did. And lo and behold, there has been a harvest of souls, including one gal. She looks like a sweet little grandma, but she was the queen of the drug cartel in that area. And with her testimony, there has been a tremendous intrusion into four generations of gang ancestry that has thrived in Visalia, California. It's not thriving. It's becoming greatly deflated. There's becoming a tremendous change. The Lord is doing something of revival proportions. You know, I'm finding him talking to me about exporting prophetic evangelism more and more out into the marketplace. I so appreciate the ministry of Sean Bolts. Sean has really modeled some things for me. He's gotten a heart toward the entertainment community, 
a lot of which polite churchianity is just kind of written off, but has had inroads and breakthroughs. And in sharing these things, there's a couple in Ridgecrest, California, that has had a tremendous uh, impact down there. I remember prophesying over a lady. She was a very uh, tall, attractive blonde lady during worship. I can see she was caught up during worship. And I said, you know, the Lord is going to give you vision of special effects, courtesy of kingdom of God. When we were in the coffee room, she came up afterwards. She says, I work in the production room of special effects. And she named the studio. It was a sizable one. It was secular. She said, the Lord has me here in the secular setting to be a light. And she says, I get multitudinous opportunities to share the Lord. There's a hunger and a desire and a thirst that's deep down. And you look through the facades and the tinsel and sort through it and begin to speak with a certain tender, penetrating boldness and hearts are open. There is an openness. I'm seeing it very much tantamount and comparable with the late 60s. We would go out and do street sharing there and everybody that you talk to would stop and listen. We'd begin to see a harvest of souls, many of them out of the counterculture of hippiedom. And a lot of polite churches wouldn't accept them. But we've set up uh, prayer and praise and home meeting and discipleship centers all over the San Fernando Valley and saw some marvelous events take place. We, we decided we were going to rent out a um, huge stadium in that area. And we just had a very modest income, but the Lord multiplied it. And we saw yet another harvest of young people. And the Lord spoke to us prophetically when we were in a real estate office that we were to go into the Malibu Canyon Hills to where it was covered with French fried brains from drug addicts and a, a motorcycle gang known as Satan Slaves that terrifies the area and witches' covens that were cursing us. And the only way we advertised was shining a light heavenward. It was a studio light from a Hollywood set. And I remember that we went into the back room of this old rickety recreation center and began to pray. And the next thing you know, our voices blended in singing in the spirit. And there's sometimes when the heaviness of the anointing of the song of the Lord will spill over from the spiritual into the natural. And we all heard it audibly together. It's a blend of music and light. You can hear it online if you, uh, you look up star sound or star song or something like that. That's what it sounded like. And at that time, there was not the technology, anything approaching it to capture that. But it was this marvelous blend of music and light. And we felt so in charge when we went out to that platform. I remember right in the middle of my testimony, this gigantic guy came in late. He lumbered up on the stage, got right in front of me, looked down at me with a snarl in his face. I felt this overwhelming sense of boldness and peace. I kind of looked on either side, gave my testimony, sang my song, and as I did, he melted over to my right-hand side and began to just weep. I was through at that point. I turned it over to the guy who was speaking that evening, Dave Malkin. Dave came out and reached up and put his arm around this big guy and said, where are you coming from? And he said, from a long, hard road. And Dave said, you need Jesus, don't you? Dave led him in a prayer of salvation that capsulized the kingdom message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, don't need a message this evening. He stepped forward and says, anybody that wants what this fellow just received, you come forward now. There was a stampede of young people, previous drug addicts, former witches, 
motorcycle gangsters, you name it. And most of them not only got born again, but they got the double barrel blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Instead of the demonic shrieks we've been hearing, there was this honey beehive buzz of people speaking and singing in tongues. The Lord desires to do something marvelous in these days, folks. There is an outpouring waiting in the wings. It's yet to envelop our country like it's going to, but we're sensing and seeing nuances. And what an exciting time that we're appointed and anointed to live in. Let's be keen to receive the word of the Lord as he would speak to us principally through the scriptures, through the exchange of testimonies, and at times take testimony and translate it prophetically. And let's be sensitized to the heartbeat of the heartache of those that are aching to hear. And let's allow the Lord to unzip the veneer with which we encase ourselves and, and just be available, to just be willing to be spendable currency. I'm amazed on those days when I wake up and greet the day in that, how the Lord directs and orders my step. You know, I'm coming along and growing in this thing too. And in a sense, it's a revisitation of a former revival. However, this one is going to make that one pale in comparison. The Lord saves the best wine for last. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And yet he wants to maestro something that is going to manifest his glory and radiance to the likes that we haven't seen before. Other points of the globe are already seeing it. It's sneak previews of coming attractions. Praise the Lord. A couple of more words before I sign off over here. Sitting next to Rick. Rick, you got a word this morning. And sitting next to Rick is Ashley, wonderfully supportive. An ability to love somebody as is through their struggles. The ability to see the richness and the wealth and potential in them and to speak into them with a targeted tenderness. It's been your portion with loved ones, but he's going to spread your, your broadcast radius to where it's going to become far, far more broader and far, far brighter. Marvelous expansion here. Katie, in the song of the Lord, the prophetic song of the Lord, you're already moving in it. But there's going to be wonderful asides in which you hitch an upward ride on melody and the chord chemistry of the musicians are going to flow and pick right up. There'll be a melding of giftings and you will speak with a prophetic voice that sometimes soars in the heights where the air is rare with the eagles and begins to import down below from the aerial view prophetic statements that will bring this church into a whole new plateau of praise and worship expression. Mark, you've been willing to be oil in the workings, a servant heart. You're gifted, you're talented, but you're multifaceted, but you have a servant's heart, a man of humility and devotion. The Lord's going to promote you in your sphere of authority, and it'll be naturally supernatural, You'll just wear it very, very well. But know that servanthood is a commodity that is valued in the kingdom of God. And there's going to be times when you're going to see the plain old H2O and somebody being changed into the wine of the Spirit. When Jesus did that, uh, that miracle at the wedding feast at Cana, uh, the servants were the first to know. They were there to fetch the pots to where the water was changed into wine. And there's an ability to just with a certain conversational way of sensing the Lord's voice 
and speaking into hearts. And you might even start off with a question. Are you feeling such and such? Does this mean anything to you? And you'll be amazed at the responses that will confirm your discernment and how ministry goes on from there. And so many of these prophetic words are being transferred and they're being translated all over the room into dynamic dittos. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Move again, Lord Jesus. Move as a carpenter among us. Men build chapels to their discontent, cathedrals to their sorrow. Many live in golden mansions with a sand for a foundation. And the raging waters rising, Lord, the raging waters rising. Yet you build your house on rock once more today. Again today, God bless America. God bless America, land that I love. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the ocean. White with foam, oh God bless America, my home, sweet home. From the mountains to the prairie to the ocean, white with foam, God bless America. My home, sweet home. God bless America. My home, sweet home. Lord, move mightily throughout our land and in and through every life, heart, and household represented here this evening. We just thank you for the blessing, the bestowal of your favor in these days. And the Lord, the way that you anoint us with power, patience, expectancy, even in the midst of our adversities. You hear our heart cry, and sometime in the wake of our failures, when we pour out, you cleanse us, and you drive away condemnation and cleanse us from any contamination that we may have stepped in, and you renew us and restore us once again to move in the buoyancy, force, and flow of life in common with you. Keep on keeping on with more and more of it, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Pastor Seth.